Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy. My name is Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy magazine and website and everything else that we do. And right there ahead of me is Richard Hill, who's managing everything else. Yes, I do. <laughs> we we keep ourselves very busy, but uh, the magazine and the uh, you know science director on some of the educational programs, uh, and along with our associations that that we have, uh, we we associate with uh, Chips, uh, the Strategic Psychotherapy School in Salerno in Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, also our our work with guys in Poland, uh, Portugal rather. So there's lots and lots of things uh, that keep us busy and bring us here to bring these. Fans fabulous podcast you'll be surprised folks that we have another good one (laughs) we do um today we're staying in the southern hemisphere and we're going across to new zealand we're going to talk to dr jean annan who's a registered psychologist works with children and young people experiencing challenges and emotional well-being and learning at positively psychology that's her private practice She's worked with schools across New Zealand, at universities in Auckland, and in government agencies that seek to enhance young people's well-being. And she has written a fabulous book, uh, Seven Dimensions, Children's Emotional Well-Being. And uh, it was John Arden who brought this to mm. attention. And blow me down, he's done the forward, and quite rightly so, uh, because it's a, it's a fabulous book. But um, we need to talk to her to find out what it's all about. Okay, so before we jump across to New Zealand, across the pond, as we say here in Australia, um, if you do enjoy what we're doing here at the Science of Psychotherapy, we would love for you to become part of the tribe over our academy. That's the scienceofpsychotherapy.net. And that's our academy site. And there you will find a plethora of <laughs> information and um, and courses and uh, videos and a whole, whole lot of stuff there. Yeah, so what we do is we have all our material available to you for a simple single monthly payment. So you can come in for as long or as short as you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're constantly adding material. We, we have a, a wide selection of topics and subjects. Uh, we have the information-based stuff. We have uh, practical aspects of doing things. Use our search bar to find out uh, all the things you need, join us. And of course, uh, many, uh, most of these things have a CEU certificates you can take to your associations. So uh, uh, for now, that's enough of us. Let us turn to the wonderful seven dimensions of children's emotions with Jean Annan in New Zealand. Jean, welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It's so great to connect with you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, and Richard here. Uh, uh, we're, we're shouting across the, the across the pond, as yep. as we call it down here. So you're in New Zealand, which is New which Zealand, is fantastic. Yes. So we've kept everything in the southern hemisphere. I can't tell you how pleasant that is for time zones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> True. Even though you're a couple now. Now what we're what yeah. we're 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 here, uh, Jean, and because our wonderful friend John Arden, who everybody listening will know because he's a great friend of the science of psychotherapy said oh you've got to talk to this woman i think he probably said it in an american american accent <laughs> and then we got this book the seven dimensions i love it children's emotional well-being uh and uh i've had a, it's fabulous uh, of, of course so uh, uh, john's absolutely right now this getting down to 
Uh, but getting back to the fundamentals, which is what we're talking about in the science of psychotherapy a lot. Sure, there's all kinds of things that we are doing, and there's you can learn the five steps of that and the six steps of this. Mm -hmm. But we've got to get back to understanding what we're all about uh, and then expanding our understanding, which is what I think this book does. But can you just maybe start with the, we've spoken a little bit about you, but what are some of the things you'd like us to know about you and how this book uh, became something of importance and uh, and how it eventually became uh, came out in print. I work as a psychologist um, and I'm currently in private practice and working with, with young people. I have found in the last two or three years I've been working with an unprecedented number of um, eight-year-olds, uh, young people who who would start school uh, around the time of um, the, the COVID struck and um, yeah, and definitely seems to have hit that age group. But uh, yes, I'm in private practice, but before that, I've worked in a variety of roles. I've um, uh, originally, I, I was a, a school teacher. I trained as a psych educational psychologist, uh, worked for several years uh, in a government organization for um, supporting uh, young people in schools. And then I spent, oh my goodness, I was working at, the, at Massey University uh, teaching the educational psychology training program. And I was there for many years, probably 15 years. I think I haven't really stopped to count. Uh, and when I when I left there, I, I went to work, um, contracted with the Ministry of Education in New Zealand to work with schools to um, on projects that brought psychology into schools. So given that um, I have done a lot of work in school, this book has been written really to support that work. Um, it's okay. been, it, it, the, the book addresses teachers as the primary audience for this, this book. No, um, when I say teachers, I mean educators, school counsellors, um, resource teachers, psychologists who, who work in schools. Uh, but it's it, the principles of, of the, the, the seven dimensions uh, equally applicable for parents and parenting, um, and I've, I've even some of the some of the clients uh, I, I work with here in this office and in schools, um, I, I have them the teenagers reading this book. In fact, it's not mm. because they they're learning about um, um, biology and neuroscience in school, and uh, for some of them, they, they find it. Uh, they can connect with it. And I think that the, the wonderful thing is that we try and do, uh, I know some, we, we constantly battle people saying, oh, you're just talking about the science, the facts. And we say, mm -hmm. no, science is also the philosophy, the, the meaning of, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. it's um, it's that integration of, uh, well, as uh, Ian McGilchrist would say, the, the, the left and right hemispheres, the details and the facts, but also that thing that allows you to feel more human and to understand your humanness um, mm -hmm. more, because that's, that's where all this stuff really comes from, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I think if, you know, as you read that book, every chapter is different. And and it starts, the, the earlier chapters are far more mechanical and, and look at brain functioning and 
uh, and and our responses to safety and and even relationship the relationship uh, the aspects of, of brain functioning that um, are supported by positive relationships. But as the book goes on, we get to chapters six and seven, or the dimensions six and seven, and they are more about the meaning and, and the purpose, the, the, the stories that we have about ourselves, because we, you know, one of the assumptions through this book is that we all have stories about ourselves and we that we act in accordance with those stories and what um, a lot of young people and and the people around them are often stuck with is feeling that those stories are not negotiable you know that sense that this is who I am that there is a real me um, and and our stories of ourselves are negotiable and I guess that sort of underlies this this whole book really yeah yeah. yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just remind people that the 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 well I'll remind you you know uh, yeah. that just oh, I quickly, might need reminding as well. <laughs> but the uh, the the overview, so the the simple uh, one word uh, one two word aspects of the seven dimensions. I mean, you actually expanded into more broad questions. But yes. uh, so there's uh, safety, yes. alliance, positive experience, consistency. Optimal disequilibrium, which is kind of about learning, and you can talk about that a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> then, as you say, the last two self narratives, mm -hmm. and the most, what I think is one of the most important, is the seventh one of belonging. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they're exactly. the seven dimensions that you, and each each chapter talks about each one. But it's interesting; those first couple, you say, they they actually lend themselves a bit more to some more technical information, more uh, more sort of uh, uh, factual detail. They 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 did, and I was a little concerned when I wrote the book that that might not be the best uh, material <laughs> to to present. To, you know, to, to the reader trying to pick this book up. Yeah. I, I do have to say, look, get to chapters numbers, you know, six and seven, and you'll you'll yeah. you'll but, find it easier to engage with. But the, we do. Yeah, laying a ground, laying the groundwork is is important, right? We ha we have to lay a foundation, which is what which is what you've done. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, without getting too technical, <laughs> if if we could if we could sort of just do a little let's do a little walkthrough and a little summary of of these dimensions. I, I think so. That would be about what these dimensions are, for instance. Mm. Yeah, please. So the seven dimensions they're, they're organized into three layers and at the core of a person's well-being is their sense of safety and without sense of safety there is there there is no well-being that's 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 a key um a, a key dimension surrounding those four four other dimensions which are alliance alliance um alliance positive experience I'll, I'll unpack each of these actually a little bit not not too much but just a bit um, and um, optimal disequilibrium and consistency, of course, but but enveloping all of those, uh, the self is meaning, and self narratives and um, sense of belonging, which is more the identity. How do you? How do I fit in this world? And and, and in a way, well being is is it's bookended by sense of safety and meaning. It sits well-being sits sits between um, between those two, 
for the for the uh, uh, for the the, the, oh. the YouTube viewers, oh, we can just uh, just put that diagram up, and and so it's it's a, a nested a nested uh, a sort of diagram of circles within circles of, uh, and as you're saying, the um, that sense of safety is the central element. Yes. Uh, and uh, we had wonderful Ruth Lanius talks about that much line and um, the, everybody uh, uh, gives that and um, um, moving as the outer circle uh, that encapsulates it all is the meaning which yes. is as you were just describing that sense of meaning mm -hmm. and we talk about that a lot with the science of psychotherapy I mean it's great mm -hmm. to know it's important to know the technicals but if you don't know how what it means to you uh, mm -hmm. then it's different and the the um that inner circle is experience. And so you've divided mm. that. So belonging and self-narrative uh, self are in the meaning. And those areas, alliance, positive expression, um, uh, consistency, and optimal uh, disequilibrium in the experience, and then safety. So um, it's that's wonderful. So that's like that philosophy, uh, the, the experiential in the middle, and mm. all leading to that sense of safety those four experience uh, dimensions in that inner circle they are the ones amenable to change so those are the those it it, it it's very helpful for um for people working in schools to have a smaller number seven are, seven is a lot to 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 focus on but but the the, the experience dimensions are the ones that, that school staff and parents and others um, are able to focus on the expectation that children's sense of safety and meaning will be enhanced by an enhanced experience in those, that, those middle direct, uh, uh, dimensions. So in a way, sense of safety and meaning are outcomes of experience. Yes, that sense of of emergence uh, uh, from experience comes the meaning, and that that organizing principle. If I'm thinking in complex systems, that, that if we have the organizing principle of uh, of safety, um, but that's one of the problems too, though. Um, is is what you were saying. You have a lot of eight year olds coming in, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm guessing that. Um, you could boil it down to lack of safety or a loss of sense of safety. And this yes. must be quite concerning. Yeah. A, a, a loss of safety, particularly in the social environment. Um, if, if we look at the, the four dimensions, their, their, their social development has been very different um, uh, because their, their experience has been in a home environment rather than a school environment. It's been uh, more likely to, to have fewer young people uh, to relate to, to hone up those, um, those social skills and the nuanced sort of aspects of getting along with one another. It it's also seems to have um, impacted <laughs> security of friendships as well. The disequilibrium that that young people sense in a classroom. Sometimes it's academic, although the academic uh, for the the young people I see does not seem to be have been affected to the extent the social development um, has. So at the core, sense of safety and sense of safety 
is, you know, the first thing that the baby asks when they're born, am I safe? They probably even ask it before, goodness knows, I don't know. But, um, they, but am I safe? And the answer to that question, of course, is critical to their well-being. Um, if if they feel safe, then they they you know they have that freedom to explore and learn. And if they're not safe, they're going to be um, very much they're going to avoid and very much uh, um, close themselves off from that learning experience. But you know, it's a question that we ask as a, as a, as, a, as a newborn. But we we continue to ask that through our lives. Young people ask that every day at school. You know, we we ask it right now. You know, I am I safe? Am I safe? And, uh, um, we, we never stop asking that question. It never it's it's a paramount question always. Yeah, um, and I, I think there, there's there's that uh, I'm not safe, so I'm asking. But then it's also just that reassurance. I'm, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, I really enjoy saying to my wife, uh, I love you. And mm. then uh, I really enjoy it when she comes back, you know, I love you back. Uh, because if she doesn't, uh, then you oh, 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 oh but, my goodness, but there's, <laughs> there, but there's a difference. There, there's sort of a there's sort of a, several levels of safety that that You're seeking right. it, you know, just just uh, reassurance, and then also just that compounding, just uh, maintaining. Uh, so, so and there's going, a few things. Yeah, yeah going back to the eight year olds who you know started to go to school during the COVID period, mm -hmm. there's been a distinct lack of. Um, all of those levels of reassurance of safety because they've been hammered with the world is fundamentally unsafe. They have. So there are many, there's the, the media, the discussion they hear around them, um, and that coupled with consistency, which is one of the, the um, dimensions that I'll get to, right. um, it definitely they, they don't feel safe. They feel very much at sea, and it's it, it's it's a matter of helping them feel grounded again and helping them have that sense of control, because I do I do I do sense that people all around them also don't have can't predict the future in a way that they could, so they don't have that sense of control, and you know, when people don't have a sense of safety and the control that goes with it, they can't take agency in their own lives. They're depending on other people to 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 pave the way for them so mm. yeah. so let's let's look at that just unpack those four experiential dimensions okay so let's look at those the first one um i've called it alliance um because it's about having somebody at your side somebody at your side and it includes a whole lot of different types of relationships right from attachments which are uh, you know are critical um, to friendships and relationships between school staff and young people. Um, it's about all of those, just feeling somebody is at your side, not, not necessarily always on your side, um, because as a, you know, as a, as a good parent and, and teacher, sometimes you know, you're not necessarily on their side with their, their little hiccups they have with their friends, whatever. But being at their side, whatever, really that un, unconditional, and I would say particularly for the attachments, um, of course, friendships are not quite as unconditional as as, as attachments, and uh, particularly close friendships, they're actually more conditional than, than acquaintances often. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So, but but having having positive uh, relationships is it really relationships uh, or alliances and safety they develop hand in hand. They really you're never going to have one without the other. Those two really are uh, are critical. A positive experience. It this means that that most of our experience is is pleasurable. You know, if we it it. That doesn't mean that everything in life is is always positive, and and but it means that for the majority of our time, or um, and I guess intensity comes into it as well. But but for the majority of our time, we're experiencing positive emotions, or at least neutral emotions. Uh, there are times when negative emotions do have their their place. Uh, fear of crossing the road, I mean, an obvious one, and, um, and, and you know, um, fear of driving too fast in a car even. I mean, these things are, uh, they have a positive, um, you know, a positive effect. But the majority, if the majority of our, our experience needs to be positive for us to experience life as, as something that has meaning and 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 gives us pleasure. Repeated positive experience um, is is really important for young people, and it's it's very easy for people just to remember repeated positive experience. Of course, what is positive for one person is going to be very different from what is positive for um, for another. But um, yeah, so the the next one is consistency. Uh, young people always look for patterns. They're looking. They're looking to understand the world by trying to understand the patterns around them, and and learning the patterns around them allows them to predict what will happen next. They can predict the future on the basis of of the patterns that they observe, and to help discern those patterns, there needs to be a degree of consistency uh, within their familiar environments, but also across their various various um, environments in different settings. For instance, an obvious one is the, the cultural practices at in the home environment and their match with the cultural practices of the classroom environment or the school environment. Where, those, where there's a good overlap there, it's very easy for young people to figure out what's going on, understand the patterns, and be able to participate. Um, they'll, they'll be able to understand not just the explicit rules and procedures of, of a place, but also the implicit understandings that you only get from knowing those patterns. Mm. And, and, and again, coming back to your eight-year-olds who are starting school, there's been an awful lot of inconsistency there, hasn't there? I mean, from going oh. back to home and le or learning online or and then back into the classroom, but with, you know, masks and different restrictions. And yeah, it's been topsy-turvy. school's been on again, off again. Um, and, you know, it, it's and, and then it's we've had times when schools open, but if parents don't want to send their, their, their young people to school, well, you know, don't send them today. So that that probably is one of the greatest problems that we're dealing with right now is in the past, school being always open, compulsory, really gave young people a huge support, a structure mm. that you know, allowed them to be flexible and grow. Now they've just got, they've got no, no walls around them, no blanket around them. There's just a, 
you know, it's just they're, they're not discernible boundaries. And I think, you know, without becoming authoritarian, um, those boundaries need to be nicely reestablished. And yeah, I know. Yeah. I was, I was going to say there, there's, there's, there's probably a middle ground, isn't there, between being really strict and everything very rigid to anything goes. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Mm, mm. So we've almost sort of gone back to laissez-faire, <laughs> not intentionally. Um, it's 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 it definitely the children are finding it hard to, but it's a bit loose. They're a bit at sea. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so consistency is a, is a massive uh, one at the moment. But yeah. optimal disequilibrium is an interesting one because what this suggests is that we're not always totally consistent. And it's like, you know, what we used to learn about good enough parenting or good enough teaching, that the yeah. odd, odd error here, you know, forgetting to pick your kids up from school one day or something like that, um, is not always a bad thing as long as it's it's not frequent and consequential. It's it's it does help children to learn some some things. Too too often, um, you know, dropping young people in the deep end is is not a good idea either. But it just means that there needs to be the brain needs to be a little on edge in order to learn because otherwise we're just going in loops around our our established um, neural pathways. If we want to learn something new, if we want to establish any new neural connections, we need to learn something new. We need to do something different. So there needs to be um, enough inconsistency, I think, to, to excite the brain and to provide a bit of novelty, to make it interesting as well. Otherwise, we get very bored and depressed. Um, but then we also don't need so much as as to overwhelm the brain and and be in a, in a crisis state where really um, we're not we're not learning well at all and, yeah. and and that band of optimal disequilibrium is not a static one it changes day by day if you're a, if you're a kid in school it's it'll change class by class depending on the topic and the teacher and the you know who's in class with you it uh, it's it's one of those things that um, you know. Of course, some some young people have a shorter fuse, or should I say, a, you know, a very narrower band of 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 disequilibrium, um, as you know, because they avoid uh, um, as a result of some unpleasant experiences maybe in the past. Mm. But it's so it does it, it it changes from person to person, but it changes within a person. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes. we have to be very sensitive to the individual as to what that tolerable inconsistency is, yeah. and yeah. then and across a span of time, like you said, too, from day to day. Yeah. It can and teach, teachers actually say to me sometimes, you know, this is the hardest one to get, but is that, yes. you know, to a certain extent, that's what teaching is: getting, getting you that, you know, you get actually understanding that. And and I really understand why they find that that one the hardest to get. But what I also find is that teachers who attend well to, you know, to create a safe environment with good relationships, consistent routines, and allowing children to have pleasurable experience in learning and that sense of success that goes with it. 
yeah, seem yeah, to I, be able to gauge this well. They know the they yeah. know the students well enough to be able to do this in a very intuitive way. I think some of the most memorable classes I had, if I remember back to school, was the the teachers where yeah they created a safe environment, but they introduced just enough um, inconsistency or novelty um, mm. to make it to make it interesting, um, mm. to make it a little bit challenging, but but not not in a way that made you feel like you're out of your depth. Mm. No, that's exactly. And, and, and it's, as, as as a as apart from the ones that were always the same, everything was always the same, mm-hmm. and uh, you kind of you know get a bit bored with that. So you like yeah. the ones that sort of add that little bit of spice, you know. Exactly, that's right. Because your brain's going to go somewhere else, you know. If so, you're just being... Well, it is. I mean, it's that it's that balance between problem solving, um, creativity uh, yeah. as, as well, um, overwhelm uh, as you as you say. I mean, uh, uh, send me high stuff is is quite good to understand in that when you look at the broad aspects of it and everybody sort of gets thinks it's all about the flow which is just oh, one yeah, element yeah, yeah. but where you move into to challenge and uh, mm-hmm. and then there's that that tendency in our culture to to actually to do that easier one where the the skills are are in excess of the challenge and so you get control yes. um, but it as you're saying it 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 also leads to quite a lot of boredom um, it does, and and that he rapidly moves around the other way down to, to to boredom and apathy and and some of those some of those elements. Yes, yeah. yeah. When it comes to kids, them. you don't want, <laughs> you don't want them to be bored. <laughs> you do not. You do not want them to be bored. And often, a sort of a, a um, I guess a knee-jerk reaction to somebody not learning is to make it easier and easier, and um, yeah, and often disengage them. Yes, hard. that's interesting, and potentially the opposite. Make it not so much more challenging, but mm. more interesting. More interesting. Yeah. I mean, we pick up. You see, kids they pick up games all the time. Yeah. Because they find their optimal, you know, their little zone there, and they're so engaged. Yeah. They're so engaged because they're excited. There's a little bit of a challenge there, but they know what they're doing. They know the rules. They know they can they can see where it's going. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's like being yeah. able to run free but in a paddock. And interestingly, it's free but yeah. in a paddock. I like yeah, that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I remember my my uh, my wife. She was a scout leader for a couple of decades, and uh, she said that some of the she would go to these big group things, big jamborees, and some of the leaders would uh, be quite rigid. And, and what they were doing, and all the boys were all doing exactly the same stuff. Some of them were just not anything at all and say, off you go, do whatever you want. And so the kids would, you know, they'd disappear. <laughs> and she said, what we found is if we gave them boundaries, we said, you can't go beyond that point, you can't go no. beyond that point or that point, but you can do anything you want in the middle, yeah. uh, that, that for the vast majority of the time, those kids were more creative, uh, mm-hmm. more inventive, more uh, doing breaking off into individual groups and so going into so mm-hmm. this is the sort of stuff that 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 obviously this um this information uh helps mm-hmm. you understand and, i mean but mm-hmm. it is something i just want to quickly yeah. sort of say that we were talking about before that these are what is natural this is what is healthily natural within us yeah um, mm-hmm. And uh, so there am I talking about Susie doing things with scouts, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. 
But now we have to remind people again. We've we've lost touch. We've lost grip. Have you got any thoughts about the, you know this this way we we have to sort of re-educate ourselves to be um, I don't know normal or, or or human. We we've got a bit dehumanized. I don't know quite what it is that makes your book so important. Um, well. Um, yeah, and it is. It's about it's about helping people to be free in the paddock. I love that. Sorry, I've written it down. Okay, I've written it down I, I mean, it just, I'm referenced. It describes something that I usually spend so many words <laughs> trying to say, but it's you know, like the fence has come down, hasn't it? You know, mm. and, and we're a bit at sea. And I think some of this is that the changes have been um, exponential. Over, over, and I know we, you know, we keep talking about that, but they really have. Um, one of the, the studies that I refer to in that book looked at the reports of of challenges to kids' well-being, um, young people reporting sort of low sense of well-being, have have increased um, massively since about two thousand and twelve. Mm. Um, so it's and before that it, it was fairly it had sort of fairly plateaued for some time, but something happened around that time um, that, that I mean the world has changed hugely and and what we expected to to happen in two years time you know has happened in six months time and and really the it, it's it's keeping keeping abreast of that really and and keeping our systems robust enough to be able to adapt uh, um, mm. when they can. And I'm, mm. I mean, I, I'm not even going to start to, to, to sort of point the finger at any particular changes, but, but there is definitely, uh, we don't have the security of the certainty about the future that we had. Mm. I mean, it was Sir Ken Robinson been saying that for many years. I mean, he's he's passed away a little while ago, but he was talking about the fact we're, that we're setting up a curriculum for kids, and we have no idea what it's going to be like mm. in five, it's ten okay. years' time. So yeah. that's that's hard for uh, uh, the kids. It's also hard for the teachers, I suppose, too. Very hard. Yeah, it yeah. is. And 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 helping helping young people to develop the competencies they need the the adaptability that they need and to be able to uh, um, maintain that hope and optimism for the future mm. to, to have that trust that their life is going to pan out in a way that is going to be fulfilling for them um, is 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 really um i guess what we're aiming for now and and like you say you know some of it's about being grounded again, as well as being flexible enough to change, but the just having the the basics. I mean, some of the the, the studies in the book that um, that you have there is, uh, I mean, those are classic. Some of them are the old classic studies. You know, it's going back to the attachment theory, and mm, and mm. Um, it's some of some of it's newer, but so it, it, there's a lot of very basic kind of understandings that 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 we had there yeah yeah and i i'm sure that there's a whole lot of uh left hemisphere approaches to education involved here i won't not going to go into it because that's a whole nother another hour's discussion yeah um but, yeah. but i was going to say when i was a kid at school um there was great hope and expectation um for the future yes I think and so. yes and that really inspired you 
you know, to, to do well. And now, and you're, and you're saying now, you know, and understandably, you know, there's a lot of question marks about what the, what is the future and um, what am I, all this stuff that I'm learning, what is it at any, it going to be even good for, you know, we've got, you know, GPT, artificial yeah. intelligence yeah. going to do everything for us. And, you know, <laughs> so yeah. it is a very different time now. It, it is, and it actually takes me to the last two, the meaning, mm. and this is about meaning. Um, and I, I'm doing some work with a, a school in New Zealand here and, and actually just this morning, uh, looking at, at what aspects of these seven dimensions I work with the school staff and meaning is going to be the one that we emphasise because of just what you were saying. Mm. Um, the... You know, meaning the last the last two dimensions. The first, as I said, is self narrative, um, the story of ourselves, and we get that from our observations of our interactions and what other people think of us. We we uh, you know a lot of the comments we hear about ourselves and responses we get, we write our story about who we are, um, and that that story is um, that is negotiable, but often we don't. We don't know that, but it's it's critical. And a lot of work um, I do with young people is about helping them script that story. Had mm. somebody just leave here yesterday with his old story and his new story, yeah. and left with the world off his shoulders. Actually, you know, just his new story. I um, I hope that the new story sticks around, um, and probably have to maintain it. But the seventh dimension, belonging is about how we fit in the world. You know, what, it's about belonging to something bigger. And as Viktor Frankl talked about, what was their purpose? What was, where, how did they fit? You know, where, where, where were they in the bigger picture of life? And a lot of young people are really struggling with that. Um, what is this bigger picture? And, um, you know, to be, to be part of a family, to be part of a school group, to be part of, you know, a church or it could be a, you know, a soccer club or whatever, but to be valued, to see that you're a person who makes a con contribution. Yeah. Um, and that vision has got to come from us, right? It's got to come from parents, therapists, teachers, because it's not going to come from mainstream media. No, no it is they're... not. It's not and, because and... it wouldn't sell. Yeah. yeah, they've definitely been sold a crock with, uh, you know, this was realizing the number of likes you get on on Facebook mm -hmm. and and the 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 belonging the belonging to um, belonging to 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 tribes of success. Uh, certainly, the business people have uh, uh, have been arguing and struggling with this for decades. So it's um, uh, you know, I mean, and that and that that final uh, aspect i was just thinking in the belonging to uh dan siegel just recently with his book talking what he'd been talking about for a decade but the me and the we uh, coming together and mm, exactly. and 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 we've been talking about the science of psychotherapy and, and others but um that mirror neurons and michael yacoboni has been talking about it that mm. that the idea that we're separate from each other is is um just biologically impossible because yeah. uh, we aren't you know we're connected no, by we have a relation to one another always yeah, mm. yeah. and you know it even you even see this in the language you know, if you say to, if you, if you, if you want a, a young person to do something, if you say, you know, you do that, it's very different from, come on, let's do it. 
Let's you do know, it. Let us do this. Us yeah. do it. You know, it's uh, it's 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 it is. It's about it's it's about getting to the point where you do feel that it's a we're part of a we. You know, who is we? And you know, it's yeah. So that yeah. is really where a lot of the work um, that that we need to do right now is 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 work with the, you know children's the meaning of their life, their purpose, their their hope, their optimism, their ability to to predict a positive future you know there's a there is a, an educator in the UK Valerie Hannon who said that the single most difference that a, a teacher can make in a classroom is believing in the positive futures of of the young person you know young people that they teach you know I finished the book by saying that you know that we I can't remember the actual words but it was about making uh, there was one thing that we can do for young people. <laughs> um, it's oh, helping them to understand that they matter yes. and it's good to be them. Yes. Yeah. No. It's a, it, it's it's lovely. I I, uh, uh, I I sort of flip to the references often in a book, and and it's just on the inside of the reference. So oh, that was the that was one of the handy. first that was one of the first paragraphs I read, oh. and I thought, oh gosh, if, if that's your if that's your last statement, I want to read the rest of it. So, uh, oh right, really well that was that was fortuitous. Yeah. <laughs> so indeed, uh, that we can leave them with with those powerful things and i think in the same breath in a in a positive feedback loop it it enhances us uh uh as adults and teachers and uh, and carers oh, to feel the same absolutely and the 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 work of uh, of uh, a teacher parent uh is so much more fulfilling mm. when you engage with you know the we is not just for the children it's for everybody yeah. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Jean, thank you so much for joining us here on The Science of Psychotherapy. Congratulations on the book, and uh, we'll encourage everyone to check it out. What a lovely way to wrap it up, to finish it, this this positive uh, imagination of the future. Yeah. Um, and we kind of lost grip of it, even, the, even in the difficult times, even with concerns of global warming and so on and so forth, we can still have a positive uh, imagination of the future. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I, I was great to talk to her. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so we need to nurture that, don't we? Because I know mm -hmm. in my own experience of talking to young people these days, there isn't such a great sense of a, a, a positive future. So too, too much of the, why bother? And yeah. you, you bother, you, I mean, Live every day, not as though it's your last, live every day as though it's your first. Hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's a wonderful thing. I just wake up every morning going, wow, what's going to happen today? Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. And just a reminder, if you're listening to this, you can actually see us by coming across to our YouTube channel. And uh, we've got all of our interviews there and we've got a whole bunch of other stuff for you as well. So please come to our YouTube channel. There's a link in the show notes. Subscribe. Click on that bell, the notification bell. And not only will it help you, but it'll help us out a lot as well. Yes, absolutely. Lots of great things in there. The podcasts, the documentaries, lots of uh, shortcuts so you can just have little four or five minute uh, insights. 
So we've got a heap of stuff all over the place. A lot of it's free. And then we also have the Academy where you can come in and be a member uh, and subscribe to our educational programs. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to thescienceofpsychotherapy.com.